And so you're making those New Year's resolutions. You're saying, how, wow, 2021, it, I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to exercise more. I'm going to get out of debt. I'm going to pay my bills. I'm going to do Dave Ramsey on my own. or just Hopefully the church would do a Dave Ramsey course, and I can get out of debt. I can, I can make this happen for 2021. I'm going to clean my house, some of you guys are saying. And when you think about it, you're like, oh, never mind. We're going to go another year without cleaning the house. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Some of you are saying, I'm going to get rid of the cats. I got 15 cats, Lisa. I'm going to get rid of the cats. Hey, I love to get rid of mine, but hey, shh, don't say that to the girls. Yeah, they want to, they always play with, they're always talking about that dog. Our next devil neighbor is here, and the girls always love to go play with Becky's dog all the time. They, they talk about it all the time. But if we have New Year's resolutions, we want to lose weight, we want to get out of debt, we want to clean our house, we want to get rid of our cats, we want to get rid of our car, we want to get rid of all these things and start new. And, you know, it's, it's good to have some goals. It's good. But don't limit them to self, selfless ways. Have goals on how you can help others. Don't make it about you for 2021. Have a goal, if you could turn me up just a little bit on the microphone. Have a goal to make it about helping others rather than ourselves. Because when we focus on ourselves, we become selfish rather than selfless. I mean, I, I love to run. I haven't ran in a long time. You can start in the show a little bit, okay? And I love to begin the beginning of the year. I love to, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plan, and I've done it before. I'm going to plan for this year. I'm going to run more, and I could run five miles. I've done as much, as much as 10 miles. I mean, I've done it. I've done it. And I, I, get, I had this goal in mind, but what happens was sometimes is that I get too busy or I get too focused on me trying to get everything done for me and the work and this and this and that, and I forget that I'm going to need to make it about other people. And when I start having that awakening or that revelation, I say, wait a minute, I'm spending too much time on me. It's time to focus on others. And sometimes I have to sacrifice that run so I can help be there for somebody else. And so we, what Caleb and I decided to do is on Wednesday nights, we do our prayer walk. <laughs> and sometimes we walk really fast. We over there like, we make it a workout, praise the Lord. We over there by, you know, in our main street that's going, and we walking and praying. Well, that becomes a workout for us. We're doing something spiritual and also something physical where we're praying and encouraging one another and also exercising at the same time. But, you know, we have to make it where it's not about us. We have to make it about others. And oftentimes, I find myself doing that. I start off the new year. I'm like, man, I want to be better at preaching. I want to be better at teaching. I want to be a better uh, father. I want to be a better pastor. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better son. I want to be a better uncle and all this stuff. And I start calling all my nephews and nieces, and there's a whole bunch of them. I want to be a better cousin, which I have a thousand cousins all over the place. because My last name is Rodriguez, and we're all related. Okay? So that's a joke. But there's a lot of Rodriguez's. And I say, I want to be better at this, but then I don't realize that I'm trying to improve myself and I'm not helping others in their areas where they need help at. You see, God has called us not only for us to grow in our personal relationship with him, but to help others grow in their personal relationship with him as well. He has called us to be the kind of people to encourage other people to walk by faith and not by sight. You know what I love what happens when people share their stories with me? It gives me hope because I hear how God showed up in their life. 
I hear how God did something supernatural in their life, and I might be going through it at the time, but it gives me hope because I hear how God showed up in your life. I love when people say, you know what? You may you need some help, so I'm going to come along your, your, um, alongside of you, and I'm going to embrace you, and I'm going to get you through this period. I'm going to get you through this tra- challenging time because God has put, uh, has put me in this time, such a time as this to make a difference in your life, and my goal is to help you move forward in your relationship with the Lord. And when we had people do that for us after losing my mother-in-law, they were there. They loved on us. They cared about us. They said, we love you guys. We care about you guys. We know that this is a sad time in your life. It helped us to get over the challenges and the difficulties we were faced with because people stepped out and said, you know what? We're going to help you irregardless of what you're going through. We're going to love on you, and we're going to remind you that God is good. We knew that. We just needed people to be there for us when we're going through a difficult time. But the hap- you know what happens is, if we so focus on us, we fail to see that those who are in need, we fail to see that. We miss it. Because everything is about me. So we miss those opportunities where we, have, we make it about somebody else. Where we make it, we go out of our ways to bless somebody else. Or, for some people, when we face a personal tragedy, we start to blame God. Instead of surrendering to his will and to what God wants, we see him as a tool to get us what we want. We say, God, help me, bless me, protect me, make my life to be better, make me happier, make me richer. And you know, we just say we don't surrender to God. Instead, we just make it about us and we fail to see him for who he is and we fail to see that he is number one about others rather than himself, and we have to do the same thing and live that way as he's given us the example to live. Or we start focusing, this didn't go our way. I tried God, and he failed me. I tried God, and he failed me because he didn't let me marry that girl I was hoping to marry or marry that man I was hoping to marry. He failed me. I tried God, and, you know, I tried a 21-day fast, but he didn't give me that promotion that I was hoping to have and because that's the reason why I started fasting in the first place for that promotion. He didn't give it to me, and so I'm mad at God because he failed me. And I think what God is saying is, rather than fasting to get something from him, fast, fast because you love him and you want to give yourself to him to do something in you. You want to show him how much you care about him rather than what he can give you. And I hope I didn't give you the impression that when I started fasting and I got the promotion at the school, that that's the reason why I did it. No, I did it because I love the Lord and I love what he does in my life. I love how he draws me closer to him when I go without and I let go and I say, God, you do whatever you want to do. My life is in your hands. And so we, but if it doesn't go our way, we, we blame God. We say, well, I tried God. It didn't work. Or I tried church. And the church didn't help me. I went to every Bible study. I went to every Wednesday night service. I went to every Sunday morning service, and the church didn't help me. I tried church, and, you know, I walked out of there different. I walked out of there empty. I walked out of there with the same stuff in my life. And so church doesn't work. God doesn't work. How many people say that on a regular basis rather than just continue to just press in, continue to make it about God and others rather than self? Nowhere in the scriptures does the Bible show us that it's supposed to be about us. It's supposed to be about others about serving others. Jesus said it himself. I can't just seek and save those who are lost. And he had every right to say, come, come worship me. I'm Jesus. 
Come on, worship me. No. He showed people what it was to live a selfless life and to, sh- uh, to walk that out and to, uh, to serve in that way so that people can say, man, I need to follow this guy because he's not making it about him. He's making it about others, and he's showing me that I need to do the same thing. When we focus on ourselves, that's self-centered. But faith is selfless. Faith in our God is selfless because you are trusting in him to serve not only him, but to serve others, right? Do unto others what you will have done to you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength, and love others as yourself. Isn't that a selfless thing? Praise the Lord. It's not easy, right? You saw Aunt Bertha this weekend on Christmas. It ain't easy to love her, right? Woo! Man. You wanted to anoint her with oil. Say, here's your Christmas present, you know? But to love others as we love ourselves, not always an easy thing to do. Think about the serving the Lord. It's not easy. It's not easy to serve God, especially in the day and age that we live in. It requires faith, and faith is selfless. Meaning, I'm going to serve God no matter what happens to me. I have this thorn in my flesh. You know, for some, it's sickness in your body. For some, it's uh, poor eyesight. They say it might have been poor eyesight for, for the Apostle Paul when he had a thorn on his flesh. They say it might have been a struggle with, uh, with depression or whatever it may be. Scholars don't know that he had a thorn in his flesh, and he went to God. He said three times he went to him, and, my, and God said to him, Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made powerful in your weakness. And then Paul said, all right. I'm going to keep on doing what I'm doing. He had limitations, but he still was the greatest apostle in the Bible. And we don't even know what it was. Blindsight, eyesight, depression, whatever it may be. He still kept on going. He made it, he was selfish rather than selfish. In Matthew 16, 24, it says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Hmm. So as we enter into this time of our selfless series, ending 2020, looking at this, and then going into 2021, looking at this, I'm going to talk about four different areas in this selfless series. We'll be talking about today, bold witness. How could I be a bold witness for Christ? And some of the reasons why a lot of us struggle to be bold in our witness. Next week, I'll talk about faithful service. The week after that, I'll talk about an extravagant in our giving. And then finally, the grateful, grateful in the grind. You're probably thinking, what is that? Well, you got to find out. <laughs> Come to church and you'll find out. And so the results for today, as we look at week one, we're going to look at, understand how the Lord can use me to reach more, even if I'm laughed at or ridiculed. How he can use every single one of people in this room, and even in, in, in who are not here this morning, who are watching online, those of you who are watching online, how he can use you to reach more, even if you're laughed at and ridiculed. Because chances are, you will be laughed at and ridiculed. So what? 
Is that person that you're witnessing so matter? To, does it matter to you? You know, oftentimes we'll put on, I'll put in our sign out there. We'll have it out there. It says, every soul matters to God. Every soul matters to God. So that's the important for us to realize that we may be ridiculed, we may be laughed at, we may be made fun of, but if that person's soul matters to you, you're going to keep on going after them and loving on them and caring for them so they can surrender their life to the Lord. Because God did that for me. There was a person in my life that kept on. There was people in my life, my mom, my parents, kept on praying for me, kept on pursuing me, kept on telling me. I had some guys in church when I was struggling with my own personal stuff say, keep on the faith, keep on the faith, keep trusting the Lord. And God did something with that. He used those guys to impact my life. I would not be standing here this morning if it wasn't for those people in my life. And God can use you to do the same thing. Well, I had this son of mine, this daughter of mine. Oh, man, I can't, ooh, see something else, see something else. Do you realize that your prayers and your constant witness to them and the way you love on them? And here's another thing. Is God first in your life? Are you being an example not with your, just by your words but by your actions? Are you consistently going to church? Are you consistently praying? Are you consistently getting in God's word? Are you being an example with not just your words but your actions? That makes a difference as well. If they see that God, you love God more than anybody else, they will see that, and that they too will also love God more than anything else. It's a process, though. It's a process. The result for our week two, faithful in service, we're going to talk about how the Lord used me to serve, show love, even if it makes me uncomfortable. I'm going to be extravagant in giving. Lord, enable me to give more to bless even if I have to make personal sacrifice. And then grateful and I grind, Lord, empower me to do everything for your glory, even if it pushes me to do everything for your glory, to be selfless. Not for whatever I get out of it. Here's the big idea. Bold in our witness. That's what we talked about this morning. The disciples had been with Jesus for three years. They saw him heal the sick, Open the blind eyes, raise the dead. They were right there with him. And then Jesus said to them one day, I'm going to give my life. I will die. And on the third day, I will rise again. And what happened? Do you think the disciples were out there after Jesus died and rose again? Were they out there witnessing? Were they out there um, ministering? Were they out there making a difference? See, Jesus suffered brutally on the cross and died. Three days later, on a Sunday, he, were, were the disciples out there preaching? On that Sunday morning, when Jesus rose again, were they out there? No. You know what they were doing instead? Here's what it says in John 20, 19. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Wait a minute. They just spent three years with the Lord. They just spent three years having a discipleship course on how to make, transform their world and turn it upside down. And the day that he dies, he gets killed, he gets crucified. On the third day, he rises up on a Sunday morning. And rather than them out there going out there being a church, they're behind closed doors and because they were afraid. What? How did that happen? How did that happen? And we're so quick at times to say, man, the disciples were just a bunch of cowards. They were, they were afraid. What? The Bible says they were afraid. But the question is, why aren't we bold in our witness? And sometimes we say, we don't know enough. Or I may offend somebody. Bottom line, just scared. 
because the Holy Spirit will give us words to say. It's not what you know, okay? It's not, uh, and don't worry about offending somebody because you're going to offend somebody anyway, irregardless. You're going to offend somebody with the way you look, probably. You know? You're going to offend somebody if I, I, you know, if I smile on you and I didn't smile at the other person, they're going to come up to me, why didn't you smile at me? Sorry. But oftentimes we use those as excuses not to share our faith with people because we don't want to offend and we don't know as much as we think we know. We need to preach like, you know, we need to be a theologian. We need to be like, uh, who's a great theologian that is out there? Jack Hayford. We need to be people like that where we know the word from front to back. And no, it's the bottom line is that we are scared. We are scared to share our faith and we use excuses like, we are, I don't know enough or I don't want to offend people. And here's what happened to me. Several years ago, when I was working at Chick-fil-A, I felt impressed to witness to one of my coworkers. At that time, it's been a long time prior to that that I've witnessed to someone one-on-one. I've gotten used to just going with groups of people and doing street evangelism, but I didn't focus my time on doing one-on-one personal witnessing, and so I just felt uncomfortable with that for the time being. And so I was like, man, the Lord put on my heart. I want you to share your faith. I want you to minister to this guy, Jamie, because he needs me. And Jamie was not the most impressive person at Chick-fil-A. Now, you go to Chick-fil-A, those of you who go there, the closest one to us is going to be in Fort Pierce, right? And you go to Chick-fil-A and everything is like, my pleasure. My pleasure. It's my pleasure to serve you. I don't know if you guys seen a Facebook page uh, post recently where the guy's like in a Chick-fil-A uniform and he's chasing down this car so he, because he wanted to say to her, my pleasure. They go above and beyond. Matter of fact, I, made, I laughed at that comment because when I saw that guy running out to the car to tell him that the lady that, I said, that was me one time when a lady left her chains at the window and I left that window and I chased her all the way down the road. I'll tell you what, I still, I'm still pretty fast. I was amazed by that. Was, that was a few years ago. Maybe not that fast anymore. And I'm chasing her down that, and I'm down the, the, the street. And I go up to her and say, ma'am, you left your chains. She was like. And it's almost like they're so kind and friendly, it's almost like they brainwash us, you know, like they brainwash you. My pleasure. My pleasure. My pleasure. And you guess, you know. They say Chick-fil-A's a cult sometimes. I don't know, you know. Some people believe that. They just got great customer service. They're selfish. And so Jamie comes in, and he was not that kind of person. He was not the my pleasure type. Okay? He was rough around the edges. Matter of fact, they're like, put Jamie behind that counter over there so he's not too much of a different from how we do Chick-fil-A stuff, right? And I said to myself, that's exactly who the one I want to minister to because he needs Jesus in his life. And so I go, and I talk to him. I said to him, I said, Jamie, first of all, I develop a friendship with him. I said, Jamie, man, I love you. You're you cool. Well, for real? Like, I don't feel like I fit in here. Don't worry about it. I don't fit in here neither. I'm older than most of the people that work here, so I'm so good. I know how you feel. I was working with high schoolers. I was in my 30s at the time, okay? I said, I don't fit in either. Don't worry about it, right? And I develop a friendship with him. But I said to him afterwards, I said, Jamie, man, God's put something in my heart. I want to take you out to eat. We're not going to eat at Chick-fil-A. We'll eat somewhere else, and we'll have a sit-down conversation. We'll talk and, you know, get to know each other well. I just want to share something with you. But it's been a long time since I shared my faith with somebody one-on-one. 
So I found this thing called the Gospel Journey from the ministry called Dare to Share. And it's called the Gospel Journey. It says this, God created us to be with him. That's the G. God created us to be with him. Second, the O, our sins separate us from God. That's in Romans chapter 3.23. And I begin to go down this, 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 this uh, scriptures with him. Sin cannot be removed by good deeds. That's the S, Romans 5.8. Paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again. Again, Romans 5.8. The E, everyone who trusts in him alone has eternal life. John 3.16. And then the L, life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. That was in John 10:28. G. God created us to be with Him. O. Our sins, our sep sins separate us from God. S. Sin cannot be removed by good deeds. P. Paying the price for sin. Jesus died and rose again. E. Everyone who trusts in Him alone has eternal life. And L. Life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. That's called the gospel journey. You're breaking down the word gospel in an acronym, and you're sharing your faith with them. I mean, I felt like it was kind of mechanical when I was doing it because it's been so long since I've done it one-on-one. -on -one. And I'm sitting there with him at a Burger King because we didn't want to eat our Chick-fil-A because we worked there. We wanted to go somewhere different. We wanted to have a burger, not a chicken sandwich. Okay. And so we go, and I'm sitting there in the middle of this Burger King, and I go through this with scriptures, showing him the scriptures, and I say, Jamie, do you understand what this means? And he said, I think I do. I said to him, do you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Shook his head, and right there and then, led him through prayer. He accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. Right there. Right there. Woo! Right there. But prior to that, I, have a, I had a loud fear to keep me from doing one-on-one -on -one witnessing. But this time, I stepped out. And I dare to share my faith with this young man because Jesus showed up more real in my life and I couldn't help but to share the truth with him. God told me in my heart, that's the person I want you to go after. Tell him about me because I have a plan and a purpose for his life. Most people were going the opposite direction. There were people that were bad-mouthing him and saying, man, that Jamie is something else. You know? He didn't say my pleasure. I don't know. They were just making up things about him. I don't like him. And he was kind of, you know, he was one of those young guys. He was into himself. He's like, man, I ran five miles today, and I didn't break a sweat. You know, you know those kind of people, right? I worked out, lift up. I bench pressed 200 pounds with no, no problem, one arm, and I was, I'm, I'm good. You know, very, very braggadocious, you know, bragging about himself and into himself, and most people didn't like that. At first, I didn't like it either, but I said, no, that's a, that's a sign of insecurity that they're making it about themselves, and so I need to reach out and love on him and show him that I care about him, and there's something greater that's there that is set behind, it's, 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 uh, not, not, he's not saying it directly, but behind the scenes, there's something there that he's struggling with, and he needs help. Sometimes when people rub us the wrong way, or sometimes when they make it about themselves, there's a personal insecurity that they're going through, and God wants to help you to get them past that. And so I had to help him out. I said, here, let me help you out. <laughs> but here's what happened when Jesus showed up. In John 20, 19, it goes from that Sunday, the disciples were meeting behind the locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them, and he said, peace be with you, he told the disciples. And what happened was that he was telling them, we must go from being selfish to selfless. From timid to bold. We must, well, okay, 
We must do that. He was saying, don't let your fear keep you from going out there and letting people know about me. Stop being selfish and be selfless. Stop being timid and be bold. And we know that when the Holy Spirit came, they were filled with boldness. With the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they turned the world upside down. They were able to minister. But before that, they were scared. And so when Jesus shows up and they get filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter and John start preaching, repent from your sins. And 3,000 to 5,000 people after Peter preached his message. But wait a minute. Peter was one of those ones that was scared of before Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up, reminds them of what their mission was, and it's to be about others rather than himself. And he's up there preaching a sermon, and 5,000 plus people give their life to Jesus Christ. Wow. And what happened as a result of that? There were priests, the captain of the temple of God. They confronted, he confronted Peter and John and told them, I'm going to take you to prison. The police showed up while they were preaching and said, you're going to go to jail for preaching about this Jesus. You're going to go to jail. And we know the story. They were like, and they said, if, you, if we want to take you to jail, unless you stop talking about Jesus, you'll be fine. We'll let, you, know, you don't have to talk about him. Like, no. We're going to talk about Jesus regardless of what happens to us. Because it's not about us, it's about him. It's about others. It's about letting people know about the Lord and Savior that we spent the last three years with. It's about telling people about him. You can do whatever you want to us, they said. The a- a- Annas, the high priest, said to them, by what power and whose name have you done this? And do you think they hid and denied? They were scared. They were afraid. They said, man, okay. Well, the high priest came after us, so I'm going to hide. Here's what happened. In Acts chapter 4, verse 8 to 10, it says, But then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of our people, are we now being questioned today because we have done a great deed for our crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Hmm. Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, the man you crucified by whom God raised from the dead. And that's in Acts chapter 2, verses 8 to 10. Acts chapter 4, verses 8 to 10. Then he cowered back. They talked about the one and only, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And here's the thing about boldness. We speak boldly about what we believe deeply. We speak boldly about what we believe deeply. For example, you go to a restaurant, and you're like, man, this restaurant is amazing. You got to go. I got to take you to this restaurant because it's great. We went to a restaurant in Lakeland when we went to go visit a friend of ours, and we went to a place called Cafe Roti. It's an Indian restaurant. Oh, man, that place is phenomenal. And so we take our friend there. Apparently, he'd never been there before. I thought he does. He'd been there because he lives in Lakeland. And we take him there to eat at Cafe Roti, and he was amazed. He's like, man, this is good Indian food. Indian food could be spicy, by the way. I told him, make mine extra mild. Extra, extra mild. Because I don't want to get sick for the holidays. Anyway, so we're there, and he's like, man, this bracket. He's like, man, I'm going to come here again. 
I'm going to come here again. See, when, we, uh, when we, we speak boldly about what we believe deeply, if you believe that the restaurant is good, you're going to tell your friends, come to this restaurant. Come eat there. Because you're hoping to stay open with the business that they get, right? Come eat there so I can keep on eating there too. Come on. Or you talk about your favorite shoes. He's like, man, this is, these shoes are great. Michael Air Jordans. I could slam dunk like Michael Jordan. I could slam dunk like Kobe Bryant now. I could be like LeBron James. Man, these shoes are great. You believe deeply. You talk about it. Or Amazon Prime, what you're watching on Amazon Prime, the series that you're watching on there, you're like, you got to watch this TV show. It's great. Or this Christmas music uh, movie. It's phenomenal. One of my favorite ones is um, Christmas Lodge. I love that, that, that Christmas mu- uh, movie. I, you know, yeah, I'm kind of corny like that. I like to watch Christmas movies and sit there with my wife and hot, a little hot cocoa and watch Hallmark type of stuff. And, you know, we stopped watching Hallmark because it's getting crazy with their ways now. So we just watch, you know, older stuff. But you speak boldly about what you believe deeply. What about Jesus? Are you speaking boldly because you believe in Jesus? Peter said, let me tell you about the powerful name of Jesus. I used to love this. There was this, another YouTube video that came. There was a guy, was, I guess he was a comedian, and this, uh, one of my friends at Chick-fil-A when I was working there, he used to always say that. He was mimicking the guy. He said, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. And the guy kept on going. Like, it, was a, it was a YouTube video, and he's, he's going back. He's like, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. And so when I thought about this verse to, to tell you about the powerful name of Jesus, Peter said, let me tell you about the powerful name of Jesus. I can picture Peter saying, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Man. Because he believed. We speak boldly about what we believe deeply. Here's what he said in Acts chapter 4, the same chapter, verses 12 to 13. There is a salvation in no one else. God has given other names under heaven by which we must be saved. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the Scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Wait a minute. No special training. That, that destroys the whole idea of, I don't know enough. Because they were not religious scholars. They were not Pharisees and Sadducees, okay? Now, the Apostle Paul was a Pharisee at one time, okay? But these guys were unschooled fishermen, some scriptures say. They didn't have an education. And so let me ask you a question. How amazed are people by your boldness for Christ? If they can measure between 1 and 10, 1 being unmoved, 10 being amazed. And they say, man, so what would a, a 5 to 10 look like or 6 to 10 look like? You share Christ, you brought people to church, and you're praying. You share Christ, you bring people to church, and you're constantly praying. What would the unmoved look like? Brought no one to church, and you barely even, people even barely know that you're even a Christian at your job. They have no clue. And so 6 to 10... You're praying for people, you're bringing them to church, you're talking to them about the Lord, and five to zero, people don't even know that you're a Christian at your job, and you're not going to be bringing nobody to church. Wow. When we put it in that perspective, are we unmoved or are we amazed, people amazed by what is going on? 
I remember a time when I went to a, a, a juvenile detention center, and I preached the gospel there. I went with a group called, uh, um, ugh, can't think of their names right now, something with Christ. Um, anyway, there was a group that went into the prisons, and I was, at South, I was a Southeastern student at the time. And I was the youngest person that went with this group to this jail, and they said, hey, you're a Southeastern student, so you can preach. Go ahead and share the gospel. I'm like, what? Put me on the spot right then and then. I got 15 youth. Okay, this is in not a program. There's, there's other programs here, G4S. I used to work for them too. But this was actually in, uh, it was in a, another section in the prison itself, but for, for juveniles, okay? They were like top of the line, maximum security type of stuff. And I'm there, and I start speaking to them about the Lord. And 15 of them, all 15 of them lifted up their hand and accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And I remember the feeling when I left there, the people looked at me and said, that was amazing. You did a great job. That was awesome. And it was. It felt good. I was like, hey, I'm the new Billy Graham. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm going to start preaching the trees to practice now like Billy Graham did. Praise the Lord. But then as I got older, I look at missed opportunities that I had at Chick-fil-A. Yeah, I shared a story about Jamie and how I led him to the Lord, but there was other opportunities that I missed. I didn't take advantage of the opportunities. I made up excuses. I don't have time, Lord. Or this and that. In actuality, I was just acting afraid. Trying to find the right opportunity. See, people were amazed at my boldness when I preached at the JDC, but then I was shocked at my apathy when I missed opportunities to share at the time I worked at Chick-fil-A. That could happen to all of us. We have a great moment of sharing our faith, and we have a, then we miss other opportunities. But here's the thing I want to share with you. There's God's gracious, he's loving, and he's caring. And look for opportunities when they're given to you. Take advantage of, you, of that. But if you miss it, that's all right. Get them the next time. So how do we grow in our boldness? I'm going to be real quickly. Number one, spend more time with Jesus. Here's what it says in Acts chapter 4.13. They were amazed by the disciples' boldness, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Wait a minute. Ordinary Men who had been with Jesus, they were, they were ordinary, but because they'd been with Jesus, they had boldness. Who was God using? The ordinary, regular, unschooled people. The Greek word for that is idiotes, where we get the word idiot. Who does God most often use? Idiots who have been with Jesus. You ever heard of the term? You're a Jesus freak. Yeah. Call me a Jesus freak. Because I'm an idiot who's been with Jesus. Praise the Lord. But here's what happened. When we skip quiet time, we're spiritually distracted. We're consumed by the things of the world. We're consumed by the game that's on the, on, on the TV. Or we're consumed by fashion. Look at Pastor Raphael with his new $20 shoes. That, look at that. You know, consumed by fashion. Or consumed by social media. And we get spiritually apathetic because we put in... We're not putting Jesus first, and we're not building our faith, and we're not living with spiritual urgency. And so with that, when we put Jesus first, when we're living by faith, we are, there's a spiritual urgency, a confidence 
where we are bold and he uses us because he wants us to make, be used by him. But we have to spend time with God. Number two, ask God to make you bold. Spend time, more time with God. Ask God to make you bold. Religious leaders continue to threaten jail. They say to them, what if what, you keep on preaching, I'm going to throw you to jail. What if they threaten you? What if they say to you, if you keep on witnessing or you keep on doing, even coming to church, I'm going to throw you in jail? I might be the only one here. I'll preach to the chairs. That may happen. The world that we're living in today, it seems to me that our nation, our government, is trying their best to keep us from church. So what if they threaten us to put us to death? How would that affect us? Verse 29 of four, uh, chapter 4 of Acts says this, And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us your servant great boldness in preaching your word. We often say, keep us safe. Don't let anything bad happen. These guys say, they can threaten us all they want. Just give us boldness. It's okay to be scared, but ask God for boldness. It's not a bad thing. It's not a sin to be afraid. The sinful thing is when you let your fear keep you stagnant, keep you stuck, and not do something for him. That's the sinful thing. Ask God for boldness. Ask God to use you. When we pray for boldness and spend time with Christ, we become selfless, deny self, not living for today, but living for eternity. When this life is over, we will live somewhere forever. We have a choice to live in the presence of the glory of God in heaven or in the horror of eternal damnation in hell. We have a choice. Words are not adequate to capture hell's excruciation, anguish, and horror. Horror. There's not enough words to talk about the way hell is. It's out of darkness. There's eternal lake of fire. There's a place of torment. There's sorrow. Everlasting destruction. There's indescribable suffering day and night for all eternity. That's what hell is like. And that's why we preach the gospel to keep you from going there. That's why there's a world of people that need to hear about what Jesus has done for us. But in the same way, there's not enough words to capture what heaven is like. Being in God's presence, saying, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Streets of gold, mansions, worshiping the Lord. No more pain, no more suffering, no more sorrow, no more COVID-19. No more COVID Any of these things, sickness and disease, glorified bodies as we are new people. That's his promise to us in heaven. I want to close with this. And 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, No eyes has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Oh, man. What a day that will be when I met my Jesus, I will see. Right? We love that song, right? We sang, that's the song of old. But it's powerful. The one who saved us by his grace. Here's what Revelation chapter 2, 21, verse 1 to 5 says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth has disappeared. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eye and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Verse 5 says this, 
And those ones sitting on the throne said, It is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. The all who is thirsty, to all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the spring of water of life. I love what he says in verse 7. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings. And I will be their God, and they will be my children. Praise the Lord. Yes, give a hand clap to the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, it was amazing when I preached at the JDC. People said, man, that was awesome. That was amazing. That was a victory. And you know how I made it right at Chick-fil-A when I missed those opportunities? As I continued to work there, I revisited some of those missed opportunities because it's never too late to go back and revisit the opportunity that was missed. And I'm going to ask everybody to stand to your feet. Because we speak boldly what, about what we believe deeply. We speak boldly about what we believe deeply. So the question is, what if I tell them about Jesus? Will I offend them? But the better question is, what if I don't? What if I don't tell them about Jesus? So every head bowed, eyes closed. And you may be saying, Pastor Raphael, I have allowed fear to keep me from being bold in my witness. Or I've, I've allowed the struggle of life to, to keep me from being excited about the ways of the Lord and the things of God. And so I need prayer this morning. If that's you, you're saying, Pastor Raphael, 2020 has been crazy. It's been there's one thing after another, and I really need him to show up in my life. I need God more than ever before, and I want to be 2020 to be a better year for me and, and a better year for my family, a better year all around. If that's you, I want you to lift up your hand. I want to pray for you this morning. See those hands. Maybe you said, I need to reestablish my relationship with Jesus. Some of you maybe you allow the challenges of life to take you from making God number one in your life, for him being the first, the passion that you love, the one and only. Or maybe some of you have never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and this is the day to do it. I'm going to ask everybody to say it with me, this prayer. Dear Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Today, and this day forward, I'm going to put you first in my life. I'm going to be selfless rather than selfish. I pray this this morning. In Jesus' name, I pray.